Amen. Well, that's what uh, Paul said. He said, I press toward the mark. And so if you would take your Bibles this morning and we're going to turn to Matthew's Gospel, first book in the New Testament of the Bible. And if you're able to stand out of respect for the Word of God this morning, let's stand for the reading. And as you are standing, we, of course, every month we've been focusing on various aspects of the Christian life. And so if you are joining us today, this is a new month. Hard to believe it's September already. But as we get into this month, of course, many months ago, God put some of these themes on my heart. This, uh, today, we start the month of September with magnifying the saints. Now, I will preface by saying that we're not here to, to lift man up, to puff ourselves up. We realize that the word saint is the word hagias, which means holy ones. And the only reason that we are a holy people is because of our holy God. And so God says, I am holy, therefore be ye holy. And so the Bible uses, now I, I don't know about you, I grew up in a different religious system as a child, and it's hard for me, even though I've been saved for 36 years, to think of myself as a saint. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that, because <laughs> I know my heart, I know my nature, but this is what God calls us, and so again, we find it in the Word of God, and uh, when you come to Matthew chapter 5, if you're familiar with the Bible, this is a tremendous passage. It begins in Matthew 5, it continues into Matthew 6, and goes all the way through the end of Matthew 7. And in these three chapters are called the Sermon on the Mount. This is an entire message that Jesus preached on the Mount. And of course, we had the privilege years ago to go to the Holy Land. Brother Roman, remember that? And we were standing in this very spot where Jesus shared these principles. And maybe if the Lord would allow me someday, I'd love to preach an entire series on this particular sermon. There are a couple other places Jesus preached an entire sermon. And so we're, we're just going to look at a couple verses today that deal with you and I that are saved. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, understand that's where the Christian life begins, by putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But once we are saved, there are some things that God would have of us that He has saved us for. And that's what the message deals with today as we think about what I've entitled today's message, Light in the Darkness, all right? And you follow along with me beginning in Matthew 5, verse 14, 15, and verse number 16. The Bible says, Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And let's ask God to bless our time this morning. Lord, thank you again for the fact that you have saved us, we that know you as Savior. And God, that you are giving us a purpose now that we are your children. As saints of God, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to understand this this morning and that we would fulfill the purpose of our lives. If there is someone here today that does not know you as Savior, God, that you would use this message to help them to understand 
that they need you in their lives and that they would settle that today before it's eternally too late. Thank you again for the Word of God. We know that it is quick, it's alive and powerful, and Lord, we need it today to help us to fulfill your purpose for our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing for the Word of God. Now, when you look at this passage here this morning, light in the darkness, and these three verses that we're going to break down this morning, just really word for word, verse for verse, the Lord, as He's giving this uh, message out on the mount, He uses a simple but yet a very powerful metaphor, and this metaphor is one that He uses to describe His people. And he uses this where he calls us light. Now, again, when, when we live in this world, I, I don't know about you, I've come to understand light is something that's very valuable and light is very useful. We use it every day. Many times we don't even think about it, but light reveals to us what is wrong, but it also helps us to produce what is right. Jesus has left us in this world as his children to do what? To influence this world for the glory of God. God wants us, our lives, to influence others around us. Light has the ability to alter the world around it, and so does the Christian. God wants us to be the difference in this world, and that's why Jesus uses this everyday image to describe his people and the influence that he has given to us in this world. God has given us in this passage, we'll look at this morning, something God is saying to us about when and maybe where and how saints are to let their light so shine before men. And it all begins with us understanding the power of this light. In verse 14, again, look at this phrase, ye are the light of the world. Now, light does affect the world. There are a few ways that we understand light affects this world. Notice it conquers darkness. Wherever there's the least bit of light, even the smallest of light, darkness is forced to flee. This is even true in the spiritual realm. That the Bible says in Psalm 119, the entrance of thy words, talking about the word of God there, giveth light. It giveth understanding to the simple. Years ago, as a, as a lost person, as, as a sinner, the Bible describes us, I remember thinking to myself that I did not understand God. I did not understand salvation. But God used His Word to help me to understand. It shed light on who I was and what I needed. So when we think about a Christian that has Christ in their heart, a godly Christian is one that brings rays of light into the darkest of situations. So light, one of the purposes behind it is, is the power of our light actually conquers darkness. Notice also that light colors drabness. Now what is drab? Drab is being dull. It is lacking color, not having color at all. And uh, the question that I would put to you this morning is that 
whether you've heard this or not is, did you know that color does not really exist? A lot of times we think it does. You look at the clothes you're wearing. You might look at the clothes that I have on this morning, or you look at the sky and so on. But I, I was reading this account, and by the way, it's a true account. Uh, years ago, there was a, a college university professor who was very antagonistic towards his students. And on this particular day, he posed this question to his students in his class and said this, did God create everything that exists? A student bravely replied to the professor, yes, he did. God created everything, the professor asked. Yes, sir, the student replied. The professor answered, if God created everything, then God created darkness since darkness exists. The student didn't really know how to respond to the professor and his pushy, antagonistic uh, overtones, and so the student became quiet, not knowing what to say to the professor. The professor, quite pleased with himself, began to boast and brag to his students that he had proven once again that the Christian faith was nothing more than a myth. He was gloating having a great time before his students, when another one of his students raised his hand and stood up and said, Professor, does darkness exist? The professor responded, of course it does. The student replied, you are wrong, sir. Darkness does not exist. Darkness is in reality the absence of light. Light we can study, but not the darkness. In fact, we can use Newton's prism of light to break white light into many colors and study the various wavelengths of each color. You cannot measure darkness. A simple ray of light can break into a world of darkness and illuminate it. How can you know how dark a certain space is? You measure the amount of light that is present. Isn't that correct, sir? Darkness is a term used by man to describe what happens when there is no light present. Once again, the young man asked the professor, Sir, does darkness exist? Now the professor, uncertain, responded, Well, of course it does, as I already said. We see it every day. And to this the student replied, Darkness does not exist, sir. Or at least it does not exist unto itself. Darkness is what happens when no light is present. And to this, the professor quietly closed his mouth and sat down. The student's name, Albert Einstein. Now you hear that story, and if you go to study the life of Einstein... As a young boy, Einstein was raised in a devout Christian home. He was actually raised as a Jew. Somewhere along the way, about age 13, not really knowing why, couldn't find the real reason, but Einstein rejected the idea of a personal God. Now, he does testify that he believed God existed, but he rejected the idea of a personal God. And so when you think about Einstein and what he said to that professor, you wonder what does the Bible have to say about darkness 
Well, the Bible actually tells us that darkness predated creation. In the very first book in your Bible, in the very first chapter of the Bible, the Bible says in Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, we need to understand that light colors drabness. Light usually is perceived as being bright white, but it is in fact made up of energy of varying wavelengths. And these wavelengths comprise all the colors of the spectrum. When light hits an object, light is either absorbed by that object or it's reflected by that object. If an object absorbs the light that it hits, the object appears to be black. If the object reflects the light that hits it, the object appears to be white. Now, to illustrate this, and this is probably not the best of illustrations, but it kind of shows you how our human mind thinks. Some of you may remember years ago, 2015, on social media, someone posted this picture of this dress. How many of you remember that? Okay, not many of you. By the way, if you didn't raise your hand, you didn't miss much. But somebody took this picture of this dress, and in 2015, they posted this $77 dress, and they asked this question, is this dress blue and black or white and gold? And it's kind of amazing because <laughs> the dress, the response to this, 16 million hits in six hours. People saying it was blue and black and it was white and gold. <clears throat> now, it really wasn't fair because, again, thinking about what we've talked about, about light and about being absorbed and reflected, the picture didn't really do justice because of the light that was present when the picture was taken. Now, most of you are probably like me. You're like, well, what's the big deal? I mean, I can tell it's white and gold, right? The dress was actually blue and black. Most people got it wrong. But again, we need to understand what light can do, the importance of light in our world. See, without light, our world would be dark. It would be drab. And that's where we come in. You see, God said, ye are the light of the world. See, this is the world we live in. Say, Pastor, there's nothing there. Well, that's the way the world was before God created it. The world was void, darkness. And even after God created everything, this is still a dark world. But God says, I saved you. And I put you where I put you 
so that you can help that which around you is drab. So that color, that light would be present. Listen, our presence as saints of God should make the darkness flee. It, it, it should also cause the world around us to be more colorful, to be a better place, a beautiful place. And there is nothing, listen, I'm telling you from firsthand experience, there is nothing like a Christian who is reflecting the light of the Savior in this world, that, that, that their rays, the rays of their life are reflecting to those around them. And I'll tell you, it's a beautiful thing to understand the power of this light, how that it not only conquers the darkness, and we see that it colors the drabness, but listen, light also changes the deadness. When I see so much in this world around us, and I think about the world, how dead it is, look, the earth itself, as it rotates around and gets closer to the sun, the light that reaches our planet actually brings life out of deadness. Plants that were dying can be rejuvenated by being exposed to the sun. And, and as we understand this, it, it brings to my mind how David himself understood there were times in his life, maybe some of you have experienced this too, where David wrote in probably one of the most famous psalms that we ever read in the Bible, Psalm 23. Look at verse number 4. His testimony was, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Folks, it doesn't get any darker than that. He says, Even though I walk through that valley, notice, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Who's with David? The light. God's with him. God is helping him. And as we think about ourselves, look, the Bible tells us we were dead in our sins, but God brought life to us. Our cold, dead hearts were warmed by the Word of God, by the truth of God's Word. He tells us that He has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. If you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as your Savior, listen, God has given His Word. And the Bible says that all that will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But listen, understand this morning that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so the life, the light brings uh, life. It changes our lives. God has done so much to help us that we need to let our light shine in this dark and dead world. And God can use your light. If you are saved this morning, He wants to use your life, the light that He's given to you, to warm the hearts of those around you, your neighbors, your family, your friends, your co-workers. Listen, a lot of times we think to ourselves, well, I don't know if that person can be saved. Can I tell you they can? God can save to the uttermost. And see, God wants to do His work. And many times He's done it in our lives, and we know Christ is our Savior. But we who are saved, God says, I've given you the light of the glorious gospel that I want you to share it with others around you. But we oftentimes don't understand the power of this light. Now notice not only the power of this light, 
but the places of this light. Go back to Matthew chapter number 5 again with me and look at verse 14 again. We already saw this phrase, ye are the light of the world. Now look at this, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Now he's talking about a few places that God wants to use his light. And I want you to see the first one mentioned there in the last part of verse number 14. He says, a city that is set on a hill. Now a city, if you've ever Many times we've been traveling or places we've lived, where we lived in California, we would, we would come up elevation to the valley that we lived in, the Antelope Valley it was called. If it was dark or the sun was going, to, going down, many times as we came up over the mountain range, we were high enough up that we could overlook the entire valley that we lived in and we could see all of the buildings, the city, and we could see all the lights. You know, I don't know about you, but I remember living in Baltimore, Maryland, when we used to come across the bridge into Baltimore, and you could see all the lights of the city of Baltimore. And you know, when I see all those lights, here's what I think of. All those lights represent people. And the Bible says here that you're the light of the world. You are a city that is set upon a hill, and it cannot be hid. See, as you think about this, a city is not a single light. It's a collection of many lights. You see a picture here in, in the Holy Land, a city that's way up on a hill. And what's kind of neat about it is, is that in the Bible times, and it's still true when you go over there, we saw this a couple of years ago, that they use a white limestone to build the buildings. So during the day, you have a city that is not just mingled in amongst other buildings and other, other places, but it's up on a hill, and it's made out of white limestone. When the sun hits that, that city, it almost looks like that city is shining. It cannot be hid. And God says the same should be true of us, that, that our lives should be something that is shining brightly for Him, that cannot be hid. And when he's talking about this city here, the image that he's painting is, it's the image of what you and I are a part of here in South Florida, known as the church. Now, we see this mentioned in the, in the Word of God, even in Matthew's gospel record. And of course, Jesus came in the Bible to establish his church. Back in 1950, Bible Baptist Church was established by Pastor George Zemer. For 71 years, this church has existed. And by the way, I can say with all confidence that what it was founded upon and what it was founded for, that we are still, we still have the same purpose today that we had back in 1950. Nothing has changed. Because God's ways never change. The gospel is still the same today as it was in the Old Testament of the Bible. And so as we think about this city that is set on the hill, what is he describing? He's talking about the institution known as the church. Jesus said, and I will build my church, 
and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So as I think about our church, what are we to be? We are to be a city set upon the hill known as Pembroke Pines. Now I realize, listen, you don't have to correct me, I get it. A city set on the hill, we're in South Florida, it's flat. You know, it's kind of hard unless we're going to build our church upon the uh, landfill, right? But God says, look, I want you to have an influence. I want Bible Baptist Church to make a difference in the world that you live in. The world is a dark place, and we are to be a vocal, visible, vibrant witness for the Lord in the darkness that God has placed us. God established this church not so that we can do our own thing, not so that we can drift away from the Lord like so many other churches have chosen to do. God established this church to be a light for Him in a dark place. And the question that I always ask myself as God's allowed me the privilege to pastor this church for the past seven years is this. Is Bible Baptist Church fulfilling the mission that God's given to us? Well, his mission is called the Great Commission, to go into all the world with the gospel, to tell others about his love for them and that they can have eternal life. You see, when I look at the places of this light in the world we live today, one of them is talking about the institution known as the church, but the second one is the light of an individual. And I look in, in your Bible in Matthew 5, in verse number 15, the Bible says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Now, the word candle here, you might have many different ideas, and there's also the mention of the candlestick. And the Bible, there was, of course, the the golden lampstand that was in the, the tabernacle, the temple. You also understand that nowadays it's represented by the menorah that is something almost like a candelabra that has seven candles on it. This particular instance, when he mentions candle, he's talking about a lamp that oftentimes you would see in individual houses. There's a picture of it you could see here. It was a clay pot that would have that would hold oil many times. It was like an olive oil. It would have, as you see there on maybe one end of it, an opening where there would be a wick, many times made out of like a flax. And, of course, it would be in the oil, and they would light it. And the whole purpose behind this is because buildings, houses in ancient days, houses did not have windows. So they would use something like this, although small, when it was lit, it would light, illuminate the entire inside of the house. It would help people to be able to move about that house so that they could see. And no one would light a lamp or a candle and put it under a bushel. That's foolish. Why would somebody light it and then cover it up? The Bible says, again in verse 15, Put it under, he says, neither do men light a candle, put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. There's, it's talking about the power of that individual light. 
Now, you might be sitting here this morning a saint of God. You have the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. But you might be thinking this, what so many do is, well, who am I? What do I matter? And the Bible is helping us to understand the power of an individual's witness. If that, if that candle can light up the entire house, then imagine what your life can do in a dark world. You see, we have the light that God has given to us. He saved us to be a light for Him. He shines through us so that those around us in the dark are helped to see their way to God, that they can come to know Him. I think back to when I was a teenager and I didn't know Christ as my Savior. And God brought, then at the time, a co-worker. Now she's my wife. You see, it was her witness. It was the light that God had given to her that she was allowing God's light to shine through her. I was living in the darkness. I remember thinking to myself, there's something different. I couldn't put my finger on it. Something different about her. Uh, no doubt she was beautiful. But there was something far deeper than just human looks. And I started to think about this. In my life, I've been saved now for 36 years. And I, I've asked the Lord, Lord, am, am I fulfilling my mission? My individual. Look, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to be a part of a church like this. The institution that Jesus shed his blood for. But you know what a church is? It's made up of many members. And God says, listen, as you go out this week, today, will you let your light shine or are you going to hide it? A lot of people don't want others to know that they're a Christian. There are people in the Bible that, that, that listen, they, their light shined in such a way it impacted those around them. You remember the Bible records in the days of Saul, how he was persecuting the church? And the Bible records in Acts 8. Look at it here in verse 4. These Christian saints, says, Therefore they, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. They told everybody about Jesus, the difference that he made in their lives. And the Bible says in John 15, ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. See, look, God has intended us as individuals to let our light shine in this dark world. But some, some do not want. They want to hide their light. Now, why would somebody hide the light that God's given to them? Some do it because of fear. They hide it under the bushel of fear. John 7, 13, Howbeit no man spake openly of him for fear of the Jews. Does your family know you're a Christian? <laughs> Years ago, and like I said, I grew up in a different religious system. And I didn't really know how to tell people that I became a Christian. Now, maybe you were better at it when you got saved. I didn't really know how to put it into words. 
I came home one day, and I was in my late teens. I was still living at home with my mom and dad, and they were not Christians. I walked in the door, and I'll never forget, my mom said, uh, so I got this paper in the mail today from that church you've been going to. And I said, really? I didn't know they sent out a paper. And uh, I said, okay. And I, I kept walking, and she said, uh, so the paper says you got saved. I didn't know what to say. I knew I was saved. I knew what God had done in my life. I just didn't know how to put it into words. You see, when you think about this, I was afraid. I was saved, but I was afraid. I was hiding my light under the bushel of fear. A lot of times our, our family doesn't even know we're a Christian. Our co-workers don't even know we've been saved. Our neighbors, boy, I, to me, I don't know about you, but I have a good time with my neighbors, especially when I, from time to time I'll drive one of our church vans home plastered real big across the side, Bible Baptist Church. And people are like, hide it under a bushel? No. We need to let it shine. Some hide it because of the, 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 they're afraid of what others might say. I think about how some are hiding their light under the bushel of apathy. We had a great time with the men yesterday and Brother Flynn, 90 years old was talking about how he's still telling people that God loves them and they need to they need the Lord in their life if they want to spend eternity in heaven someday. I thank God for that. But you know every Christian every Christian should tell people about the love of God. Not not just the pastor. Not just brother Kenny. But so, some would hide their their witness under the bushel of apathy, and it's almost as if, and I'm not accusing anyone this morning, but it's almost as if, if we don't tell others, does that mean we don't care that they're dying in their sins? They will spend forever separated from God. The Bible puts it this way in the book of Proverbs. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, the word vision there means where, where there's no word from God. You remember those of you that are saved, how you got saved? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, there's where there's no word of God, where we're hiding it under the bushel of apathy, people will not get saved. Look, we're either consumed with the idea that people are dying without Jesus or we're not. The people are perishing. And the truth is, look, I get it. We're living in a day where, and I'm not mocking or making fun of COVID. Many of us have been affected by it. We've had loved ones. But can I say to you, there is something far worse than COVID. And it's dying in your sins without the Lord. And the reality is, listen to me, we have the antidote. God's given us what this world needs, and it's still the same as it's been for all of this time, and that is the people in this world need Jesus. 
He's always been the answer, and He always will be the answer. But see, many times we hide our light. If Jesus really is your light, then you and I can't help but let His light be seen. And may the reflection of God's light in our hearts shine through us. See, I see the power of this light. Ye are the light of the world. I see the places, and that is through the church, through us individually. But then I also see, and look at this, the purpose. And he gives it to us here in verse number 16. Don't miss this. Look at it again. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now when I look at this verse here, it shows me the purpose of the light that God has given to us is that it would be a witness to the lost. Now we've talked about this this morning, but I do want to emphasize that when lost people, unsaved people, when they see the light of God's glory shining through our lives, we who have been redeemed, they will take notice. And what they will see, as the Bible says, is let your light so shine before them that they may see your good works. Now, in this particular passage here, don't misunderstand. It's not talking about salvation as far as, it's talking about we who are saved, we who are members of the kingdom of God. We're already saved. We're not saved by our works. But once we are saved, there ought to be some evidence that we are saved. And that's why the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Now, these good works are works that are motivated by love. Folks, look, I, there were things that, there's things I do now that I would have never done had I, had I not been saved years ago. The things I do now, I do for the Lord, they're motivated by love. They're not only motivated by love, but they are carried out by the power of the Holy Spirit. There are things that I cannot do in my own strength, and they are performed for the glory of God. These are works that are produced in us and through us by the Lord Himself. James said it this way, Yea, though a man say, Thou hast faith, and I have works, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Look at what the Bible says here in Ephesians 2.10. We are His workmanship. The Bible says, we, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Once we are saved, look, the Bible says, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So understand that the purpose of the light that God has given to us where he says in verse 16, let your light so shine. Why? Because it's a witness to the lost. And then look at this, it's a witness to the Lord. Because as we see here in verse 16, he says that they may see your good works and glorify. Remember a while back we were talking about, some of you are here when I 
in the message, I was talking about the word glory, and it's the word doxa. Remember that? How many of you remember that? Four of us. All right, awesome. And so the word here, glorify, is also from the word doxa. And it means that God would get the glory. Now, don't, don't miss this because many times we think, uh, listen, I sang the song, I preached the message, I did this, I did that. Listen, it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with Him. So when we think about the purpose of this light, this lost world sees, watch this, they see the difference that God is doing in our lives, the difference that He makes. And as they see the difference, God is honored, God is glorified, God is magnified. There was a day where some friends were concerned about their, their friend, and so these four individuals in the Bible... They wanted to get their friend who was paralyzed to Jesus. It's a neat story. They, they couldn't get in the house, and so the Bible says they went up on the roof. And boy, if you ever looked at some of these houses in the Holy Land, they didn't have nice stairwells or elevators or whatever. It was quite a task to get this friend of theirs up on the roof, and they got him up there. And then the Bible says they started to tear the roof off the house with their own hands. And the house was full of people. You couldn't get anybody else in there. And right in the middle of everybody was Jesus. And here's all these people and all this debris is falling down on top of them because they're up there and they got to get their friend to Jesus. And look at the Bible says in Mark 2.12, immediately after they got their friend to Jesus and Jesus made the difference in his life, the Bible says he this man that was paralyzed took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw it on this fashion. Only God can do that. I mean, I don't know if you get that, but this is a man that was paralyzed and had never walked a day in his life, and Jesus makes this man whole, and the Bible says the bed that he had been laying on that they lowered him down, that he got up, that he took that bed, and he walked right out of the middle of all these people. And listen, it wasn't the four friends that everybody, oh, you guys are awesome. Man, listen, I, can I be your friend? That was a great thing you did for your friend. No, the Bible says God got the glory out of it. You see, light does not call attention to itself. What light does do is it draws attention to the things that it illuminates. You see, our witness, yours and mine, should not magnify what we have done. Our testimony should be about our great God, the one who saved us, the one who loves us. And by the way, that as others see the difference that God is making in our lives, may they then say, listen, I don't know what it is that he has or who it is that he serves, but whatever it is or whoever it is, I want that. Well, how does that happen? By us understanding the purpose of the light that God has given to us. Is your light shining for the Lord? Or are you hiding it? Hiding it under a bushel? Can I just say God wants to use 
He wants to use your life. He wants to use your light for Him. Years ago, there was a, this was many years ago in our country, in the earlier days, but in the state of Rhode Island, there was a, going to be an election for state legislature. And uh, there was, everybody was trying to make it to the polls, and one of those individuals, a resident there, he was a local farmer, and he wanted to go and cast his vote for the state legislature. And as he was heading to go vote, he heard this noise, and he turned, and he saw the strangest of things. And, of course, it appealed to him because he was a farmer. He heard this noise, and he recognized that it was a squealing pig. So he saw this pig that was caught in an old wire fence. And he knew that if he left it there, that it was pretty much the custom that, that the hogs, the grown pigs, would kill and eat a pig that was trapped. He didn't want that to happen to this little pig. And so he stopped on his way to the poles and he rescued the pig. When he got done, he looked at his watch and sadly it was too late now for him to make it to the poll to cast his vote. The election, he found out later on, was decided by one vote. But that's not the end of the story. In those days, the legislature selected the person who would be the U.S. senator for that state. And so the senator selected for the state of Rhode Island won by one vote margin. When that senator arrived at the U.S. Senate, there was a motion that was placed before them on the floor, and that motion was whether or not the United States should go to war with England. And as you guessed it, it passed by one vote. The moral of the story, by the way, we don't think of this, but it is true many times, but the moral of this story is the Revolutionary War was fought because in Rhode Island, a pig got caught in the fence. You say, Pastor, what are you telling that story for? It was one vote. One person. Your life can make all the difference in this world we live in. It can make the difference in another person's life. And when I think of that story, I think of this. What are you going to do with your life? What are you doing with your life? I know what I'm going to do with my life. According to the Word of God, I'm going to let my light shine. Hide it under a bushel? No. I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. You see, God's given you light. And the question is, what will you do with the light that he's given to you? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. The message is simple, but it's scriptural. It's very profound. What are you going to do with the light that God's given to you?
I hope that you think about your life. A lot of times people think, well, I'm just one person. They think about all those votes, but it just missed by one. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, why don't you finally decide today that you're going to let God have His way and you're going to put your faith and trust in Him by faith. Would you stand with me to your feet this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? The piano's playing, the altar's open this morning. Even if you're visiting today and you want to come and spend some time with the Lord, that's what church is about, that's what the altar is about. Would you come today? Why don't you come this morning, Christian, and say, God, thank you for reminding me about the light that you've given to me. And I want to hold the banner high. I want to let my light shine in this world that we live in. It's a dark place. How many of you are glad that God has helped you to see your need of salvation and you're saved today? Would you raise your hand this morning? Aren't you glad that God gave you light to understand that? There may be some this morning that you're still not saved. Please don't leave here today. Walk out in the darkness of sin. Why don't you come to Jesus? If you come this morning right now, respond during this invitation. We'll take the Bible and show you from the Word of God how you can know that heaven can be your home. That Jesus loves you and he gave his life for you so that you can have eternal life. Those of us that are saved, you're a saint. Not because you made yourself one, but because we serve a holy God. How's your life? Is your life being lived in a way that pleases the Lord? She's playing the song, Send the Light. We need to tell people about the Lord. Some of you are thinking about someone you know that's not saved. They need the Lord before it's too late. Lord, thank you for this, this truth, this simple image that your son shared on the mount as he delivered this message. God, may we understand the power of this light, because it's your light, not ours. May we understand the places of the light, which is through the church. God, you're using the church in the world today. And you want to use us, individuals. And I think about the purpose. The whole reason you saved us and you've given us your light is so that we would be a witness to the lost and it would be a witness and a testimony of the Lord's working in our life. This light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I pray that's what every Christian would do in this dark world we live in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. A lot of times kids have the best songs. 
We hear that song sometimes, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, and I hope that's what you're going to do. A couple quick announcements I wanted to share with you. Of course, tonight at 515, uh, right here in the room behind the platform, if you could join Brother Robert, there's some uh, prayer pages, prayer for Israel. Of course, we do this the first Sunday of every month. They're on the table in the lobby. If you want to grab one, you can start to look at that. Brother Robert's going to come prepared. He's got a heart to see Jewish people be saved by the gospel, and I thank God for his passion for this. And uh, this is something God wants us to do is to win the loss, including those that are Jewish by birth. And we praise the Lord for that opportunity. So join Brother Robert tonight. And then, of course, our service at 6 o'clock this evening, Route 66. We'll get right back on it tonight, the Song of Solomon. And a lot of folks have been making comments, uh, good comments about the book. And it's, it's one that is, when it comes to understanding, it's very difficult. A lot of different approaches to the book. We're just going to look at God's Word tonight and share some things with you if you can join us. Right after that, we're going to have an ice cream social, and uh, th this is something that's one of the highlights of our year, and I know that for many this is a, a three-day weekend, and if you can stay and just fellowship and have a good time, uh, I know that uh, some people have indicated that they, they're, they've either made some ice cream or going to bring something. We do have ice cream here, so you don't have to bring anything. But if you'd like to, we, we Brother Kenny was, uh, you, you know, it, it's amazing when you start Googling things. Brother Kenny found how you can make ice cream in five minutes in a Ziploc bag. And I, was, I didn't believe it, so he says, Pass. And so not only did he show me the video, but then he actually did it. And you dump the ingredients in a quart bag, and then you put it in a, a gallon bag, and you put ice and rock salt in it, and then you, you stand there and shake it for five minutes. You know, and at the end of five, and I thought, it's just going to be a mess in five minutes. And he opened it up after five minutes, and he goes, Pastor, that's actually pretty good stuff. And so here's what we're going to do. If you have kids, now if there's some adults that want to do it, Brother Kenny is going to mix, uh, put together the bag so that when church is over tonight, every kid that wants to can make their own in a Ziploc bag. Now, all the parents are going great, so when they come home, they're going to want to do it at home. Well, that's between you and them, all right? But we're going to have a good time. We have, we're going to have all kinds of toppings. And listen, it's, it's, it's not about the ice cream. It's about fellowship and about enjoying one another's company. So don't miss that tonight. And then also we have our connection groups on Wednesday. Been enjoying that. Some of you that are visiting, you want to come. It's just uh, individual groups, Bible study on Wednesday nights. Love to have you be a part of one of our groups. Uh, this coming Saturday is our, our outreach into the community. We've been just canvassing uh, because we realize with COVID, been hanging things on people's doors. If you want to come and help us, we had a good turnout yesterday. We need to get more information out. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Couples retreat, if you're here and you signed up and you, and you haven't uh, paid for the entire retreat, please get that taken care of. We need to get all that taken care of. If you're here and you're interested, we still have availability. If you would like to, just see us afterwards in the lobby. But any couple that's interested in going, we can give you the details about that. Ladies have a fellowship on the 25th of September. And so, Miss Becky, I think is uh, your, the lady's been in Psalm 34 uh, all year long. Miss Becky's going to be speaking this month, and uh, so I know that you'll have a good time there. And then, ladies have a this is actually a trip up to the Tampa area, the Ladies Fall Frenzy. And uh, the ladies always do some fun things, and this is their one big trip they have. So, if you're interested in this, 
Again, you, it's a Friday, Saturday. You have to get off to go with them. They'll take a church van if we need to take two, but the cost, I think, is $40 plus hotel. And so, again, there's a sign-up sheet for that out in the lobby. Ladies, if you want to be a part of that, I will tell you, times like this are well worth it. They're w- worth taking off work and the money that, listen, you can't put a price tag on growing in the Lord. And so if you want to be a part of that, my wife will be out there afterwards if you have any questions. But don't forget again about the uh, Plus One Sunday and start inviting people. We'll have more of these out in the, the days ahead. But looking forward to a great time. Brother Brady, it's good to see you back. We've been praying for you. Can you dismiss us in prayer this morning? Ask God to bless as we leave.